Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Good. It is great to see you all in the room this morning. Thank you for joining us online. Well, as mentioned earlier, you know it's Palm Sunday, celebrating Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And you remember the crowd was saying, Hosanna, and then the crowd a week later said, crucify him. So I have some advice about the crowds that say a lot of things today. Just the crowd. They may not be right. Didn't your mama tell you don't follow the crowd? Didn't your, if every, didn't your mother say, if everybody jumps off a bridge, you're gonna jump off a bridge too? Be like, yes, mama's so stupid. Well, nobody's jumping off bridges. There's people jumping off bridges today, <laughs> metaphorically speaking, with their thinking. So don't always follow the crowd. Can I get an Amen. I just want to echo what Calvin said there, Easter Sunday, next Sunday, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. It's going to be so fantastic. We hope that you will join us. Bring a friend. Uh, it's going to be a great experience for somebody maybe who doesn't know God, who hasn't heard the gospel. So come on out, bring somebody with you. It's going to be a great day as we celebrate the resurrection. All right, we are finishing our series this morning that we have called Effective. And we have been using three synonymous words throughout this series fruitfulness, effectiveness, and productive, that these are God's expectations for us in our relationship with him. God doesn't want to be useless. He wants us to be useful, that he has, um, through creation and then through salvation, he has some expectations for us as we walk with him in 2022. God's presence is with us, and he wants to help us every step of the way. So as we have mentioned also, you know, we can waste our time, we can spend our time, or we can invest our time. And this is a part of being an effective individual for God. If we see the moments that we have as a gift from God, we will invest our time in our relationships and all that we are doing, that empowered by the Spirit of God, that we will be useful for the kingdom of God. Um, as we have gone through each week, this is week six, week one, we talked about that, that this metaphor that God would want us to be a good tree, that God would want us to be the type of tree that someone else could come under and receive shade and receive blessing. We talked about um, five different thoughts around fruitfulness. And then week two, Michael Leto took us through this idea of help, that we can actually receive help from God. And then the natural outgrowth of our relationship with God is fruitfulness or effectiveness. And then week three, we talked about growth itself, that everybody should grow. And that means nobody should stay the same. The, the way we are this year is not the same way. It's not how we're existing this year. We should be moving forward in God. What we know about God should be greater. How we can operate as an individual who follows Jesus should be greater. We shouldn't stagnate in our relationship with God. And therefore, that means we need to be in this constant state of change. For you to grow, that means you can't stay the same. If you were um, 10 on the Richter scale of grumpiness five years ago, that number should be reduced if you're following Jesus. Can I get an amen? You should reduce. We had a whole Sunday where I talked about grumpiness. I'm not sure if it was that week or not. But, you know, just, there's just no reason for you to be a grumpy individual because Jesus has saved you. God has created you. His spirit is on the inside of you. So we should be growing and moving forward as individuals. So we've got, we want God to penetrate our hearts. We talked about these different soils that there, that there can be, that the word of God that's incorruptible and powerful 
If we have hard soil, that the word of God can't actually penetrate our hearts, but we want to be good soil, soft ground, where the word of God can show up in our lives, can grow, and can produce fruit. And then week four, we talked about great expectations that God wants his ROI from you, his return on investment, that he has invested something in you. He's given you some gifts and talents. And he has some expectations of how he wants you to operate with those gifts and talents. They're not there for no reason. They are actually there for a purpose. They're there for functionality. So God wants us to use those gifts. He expects us to grow in our gifting. And then last week we talked about authorized, operating in the authority that God has given us through creation. And then Jesus has authorized us to operate as members of the church. Jesus, the head of the church, we as the family of God, members of the church, he wants us to use our authority for kingdom ways, not things that we would dream up on our own, but what is God wanting us to enforce in life? And then we can operate in the authority that God has given to us. So all of those messages are available on our YouTube page and also in our podcast. So each week we have been reading through some of these verses. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 20 says this. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay and some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. I love, I, I heard a quote this week, a C.S. Lewis quote that said that our good works are of no value to God in relation to our salvation, but our good works are valuable to our neighbor. So God has saved us and he hasn't saved us by our good works, but he has saved us unto good works. So we read about there these different vessels. A vessel would just be a container or a bucket or something that the goodness of God could throw through. We can be useless or we could be useful for the master's use that God wants to use us, that God wants to call you and I his friend so that he could call on us to do something, to operate in his kingdom ways, to pray for somebody, to encourage somebody, to bless somebody. So I don't know about you, but that's the type of vessel that I want to be a useful vessel for God. Genesis 1, 26. Again, this is not a scientific account of creation, but it gives us the purpose of creation, the functionality of creation. Uh, verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. We talked about last week and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created him male and female. He created them, and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So from the beginning, God's expectation for us not just that we should have children, that is the dream we have, the equipment to be able to have children, but then God wants us to be fruitful. Fruitful, as defined in this series we've been saying, fruitful means to be increased, grow, producing, to be a mature, edible product, that you would grow up in the things of God and somebody could come to your life and receive from your life, from the goodness of God, that 
and this would happen as we would mature. So when we have this fruit, there's something to eat, something to sow, there's something for us in our lives, and then there's something for us to give away, that we are endowed with God, with moral, intellectual, and spiritual power, and all of these things, and all of these areas, God expects us to be effective. He expects us to be fruitful. All right, so for today, as we finish up this series, we wanna talk about powerful prayers. Now, at the beginning of the year, when we did our, we went through our digging deep guide, we, we gave you some prayers to pray, we gave you some thoughts around prayers. But again, as I said at the end of that series, we're not just supposed to leave prayer in January. Prayer is not just for the first part of the year, that prayer is for an ongoing relationship with God. The vitality of any good, healthy relationship is communication. And so for us to have a good, vital relationship with God, we need to be praying, engaging with God, talking to God, having God speak back to us. And this is what prayer is. Prayer is a conversation with God. James chapter five, verse 16 says this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Oh, I just wanna make mention, we're gonna receive communion together today at the end of the service. So if you are joining us at home, you can go ahead and get your uh, communion elements ready so you're not rushing at the end of the service. Uh, Let's start verse 16 again. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So our relationship with God is not just a vertical one, that God calls us into this horizontal relationship with our brothers and sisters. And here's some of the, the, the demarcation points, as it were, of our relationship with God that we're gonna be talking to each other. We're gonna be in such good relationship with each other that we can actually tell each other our struggles. What am I going through? Here's some difficulties in my life right now. Here's what I'm facing. Here's some sins that I found myself in. But then we would actually be praying for each other. Verse 17 continues, Elijah, we're gonna be talking about him a little bit today, was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years, and he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Verse 19, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring back, bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now that, those last few verses are actually good during this season as we think about, again, who to invite to Easter service. Because we might have actually had some friends growing up who followed God and they no longer follow God. And so what should be our goal as the family of God is to invite those people back to a relationship with God and invite them back into community, into the family of God, into church. And a lot of people will just come to church specifically on Easter. We know these are the two times of the year that people who are not that interested about the things of God might be remembering, oh yeah, Easter, I remember something about the cross and the resurrection. And if you actually invited them to church, they might possibly come with you. But here's one guarantee I have. If you don't invite them, they won't be coming. So it's better to invite and have somebody to say no and then to not invite somebody at all. So as, as we are praying uh, for this week and preparing for this week, you should be praying and preparing, thinking, who could I invite to church for this Sunday as we talk about the resurrection? All right, so we, if we go back through these verses, just a, a great portion of scripture about prayer and praying for each other and just, you know, just, oh, 
we are humans and we're gonna go through stuff and sometimes people are gonna get sick and sometimes people are gonna struggle and so what we're gonna do, we're gonna love each other and we're gonna pray for each other. But one of the things that we see here about Elijah, the example given about Elijah, somebody who prayed, and we're gonna take a look at this story here in a second. Verse 17 says, Elijah was a human being even as we are. So when we think about the characters, the people in the Old Testament, sometimes we put them in this sort of Marvel Universe category, that they're like superheroes and they could do no wrong and they're, you know, superstars or they, um, whatever, they have an iron suit or whatever your favorite Marvel character is, all of these different things that we don't actually think that they're human. But when we see the story here, it's like Elijah, he was human, just like you and I. And he still prayed, and something happened when he prayed. Now, we don't get our prayers answered just because we are human. We're going to talk about that in a second. But sometimes we opt out of praying because of our humanity, or so many times with our humanity, if we're aware of ourselves, we fall short. Wouldn't you agree today? That in and of ourselves, in and of our flesh, we have all of us, the scripture says all of us have, all of us have fallen short and all of us have experienced sin and walked in sin at one time or another in our past. And sometimes what we can do is we can look at our sinful past and we can look at the insufficiency of our flesh and we could just say, you know what, why would I even bother praying? Why would God answer my prayer because I'm such a bad person? or I don't know enough about scripture, or maybe I just showed up on a Sunday and I don't know any of these things and there's maybe something about God, but I don't really understand it. I'm not like these superheroes in the Bible, but Elijah was a man, a person, just like you and me. Stuff, they had, they had family stuff, stuff with their flesh, stuff with their finances, stuff with their vocation, all of the same stuff that we go through, the people in the Old Testament, the people in the New Testament all went through. So we don't wanna opt out of praying because our, of our humanity. We, we don't wanna opt out of praying because we don't know how to pray. The scripture teaches us how to pray. So it's so important for all of us to think about, you know what, I need to spend time praying. I need to talk to God. Because part of the understanding with that conversation, with that relationship, that God actually has something to offer me within the context of that relationship. Otherwise, I'm just on my own to figure out the world without any extra help, without any extra favor, without understanding the purposes of God that I'm just human, I'm not gonna engage in prayer. But man, let's turn that around. Let's think about, yeah, I can actually pray. And like Elijah, just a person, just a human being, just like me, and he prayed and something actually happened. So Elijah was a prophet of Israel and he was a contemporary of two people, uh, Ahab, who was uh, a king in Israel. Now, if you go back and look and study the history of Israel, there was some good kings and there was some bad kings and it's an interesting study of leadership, how, how not to be, look at the bad kings and how to be, look at the good kings. But Ahab's wife, her name was Jezebel. Now, even if you don't know the Bible, do you think Ahab was a good king or a bad king? It's a bad king. 
working. So you don't even know about Jezebel, but you know that's a bad name. <laughs> Ahab, Jezebel are, are on nobody's name list for their babies for 2022. It's not making the top 100. Nobody's naming their children these names. These are just bad people in the scripture. And so they were famous for being bad. They were famous for taking Israel away from the true worship of the one true God to worshiping Baal. That this is what happened, that Ahab, he married the wrong woman. Now, we're not going to get into that today. He married the wrong woman, and this woman brought in this pagan worship into Israel. And Elijah, who was a prophet, one of the things he was always doing and what the prophets were doing was calling people back to worshiping the one true God, calling people back to worship God. So let's read a little bit of this story. First Kings chapter 17, verse one, it says, now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall neither be dew nor rain in these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him. Depart from here, turn eastward and hide yourself to the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. And you shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. And he went and lived by the brook Cherith that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook and while the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. So because of the disobedience of, of Ahab and Jezebel, God sent a word to Elijah that there would be a drought in the land of Israel. Now, he could just proclaim this on his own. This was something that God had brought to him. We would call this a judgment as we would see in the Old Testament. And then because of this, this drought, Elijah needed to be sustained. So he went to this specific place and God sustained him there. And then the story continues, and we're not gonna read this morning, but after the brook dried up because of the, dr the drought, God sent uh, Elijah to this widow woman to take care of him. And it's such an interesting story. When he shows up at her house, she barely has anything left, but this is the place that God's sent her. And so uh, the story goes that he, you know, she's like, we just have a little bit of this, you know, bread or something to make bread left. And he said to her, he had the audacity to say to her, if you make something for me first, and her thing was like, we're going to make this and we're going to die. So she didn't necessarily have a good outlook on life. But he said to her, if you make something for me first, and she went ahead and did that. And then uh, there was a miraculous provision in this widow woman's house that she was actually to be, be able to provide for Elijah during this drought season. So if we go over to 1 Kings chapter 18, the beginning of the next chapter, it says this, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go and show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. So this was a really long time, three and a half years where there was drought and Elijah had prayed and, the, and because he prayed at the word of the Lord, there was drought and now he's coming again and he's saying that God is gonna send rain on the earth. And this is the second part of Elijah's prayer, the second part of this human, just like you and me, who prayed and saw something happen. Now, the rest of this chapter continues. Now, I mentioned how bad Jezebel um, was, but one of her goals was to kill all of the prophets in Israel. So a bunch of them were hiding out in caves and Elijah had had enough of it. 
And so he just went out there and he challenged it. He said, he had this great challenge. If God is God, serve him. If not, uh, serve Baal. And so they gathered together the 450 prophets of Baal and really the idea of Baal as a God, sort of a polytheistic idea of God, sort of the God of the harvest as opposed to the God creator. So a created God, in other words. And so the worshipers of Baal were worshiping created gods. So Elijah had this challenge for the 450 prophets of Baal. He said, whoever God, whosoever God answers by fire, that God will be God. So the prophets of Baal gather around 450 of them. They have their sacrifice ready to go, laid out on sticks. And it said from early morning till noon, they cried out to their God. They cut themselves and all these different things. And Elijah started to mock them and said, well, maybe your God is sleeping. Maybe he has left. We don't know what's happening to him. And so obviously their God, Baal, did not answer by fire. And then so Elijah set up his sacrifice the animal on sticks. And then he said, okay, let's pour some water on the sacrifice and let's pour it on there again. Let's pour it on there again. And there was this whole moat of water all around the sacrifice. In other words, God is really going to answer by fire. So Elijah called on God, the creator God, the one true God, and God answered by fire and consumed the sacrifice, consumed the stones, licked up all of the water around the sacrifice. And, and then what happened after that is that all of the prophets of Baal were killed, 450 of them. You should read the Old Testament, some crazy awesome stories in there. <laughs> so from that time where he made this declaration that the drought was ending, this is the story that happened, but we see here at the end of the chapter, 1 Kings chapter 18, and Elijah said to Ahab, go, go up, eat and drink. There was a sound of the rushing rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. And Elijah went on the top of Mount Carmel and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees, representative of praying. This is a beautiful image of praying, you with God. You just alone with God, having a conversation with God. And he said to his servant, go up and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. Now, what was he looking for? He's looking for the rain, looking for the rain clouds, something that he had prayed for. But they went and they looked and there was nothing. There was no change. Have you ever felt like this sometimes when you've prayed, you've taken the word of God, you've seen one of the promises of God, you've prayed it, you've asked for it, you've made sure that you have aligned yourself with the word of God, does not making something up on your own. And then you look and nothing looks any different. And it could just like, man, the drought is continuing. He said, go look, but what did he say? Go, go look seven times. In other words, we're not gonna quit. We're gonna persevere in prayer. And this is one of the qualities of godly praying is perseverance in prayer. See, for us, always the struggle with the answered prayer is timing because we really want it now. When we pray for something, we align ourselves with the word of God, we ask according to the word of God and we want it to show up tomorrow. But how many of you know the timing is in God's hands? But he still maintained this expectation because he had a word from God that God had spoken to him that the drought was ending, that there was gonna be an abundance of rain. Go again seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, behold, a little cloud 
like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. Now listen to what he said. Just from a little tiny cloud, he knew it was about to turn around. After he went seven times. What if he had to quit after the first time? You gotta persevere in prayer. It's just very easy for us to give up in the middle of contradictory circumstances. Just give up, it's too hard. Go again seven times. The seventh time, just a little tiny cloud. Can you see God on the horizon of your life? The things that we've prayed for, the things that we've asked, again, not just our own ideas, but the things that we see in the word of God, that we can see God moving on the horizon of our life. And here was his expectation. Hey, you better get going. In other words, the rain is gonna overtake you. Verse 45, in a little In a little while, the heaven grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Now, that little bit of time I took there to talk about from the declaration of the drought to the end of the drought to the the competition with the prophets of Baal, that's three and a half years. Are you ready for the adventure of prayer? See, this is the way prayer operates in our lives. It's not just a one-time thing. It's, it's just this constant connection with God. God is, what is the next step? Here's the thing that I see right now and I see something in my future, but I wanna stay connected to you during this season where we're praying something and then we're waiting for something else to happen. That we need to see ourselves as going on an adventure of prayer with God. And that's part of the adventure of life. Are you here today? See, this this two years, I think we would all agree it's been hard. But also, if we look back at it, God sustained us. And in a weird sort of way, it's been kind of an adventure. You know, just like operating, you know, in the church leadership space, like our staff, the the things that we've had to do over the last two years, we never had to do before. And then some of the things that we're looking to next, we've never had to do before. And we could be like, oh my gosh, we've never had to do this. Or we can be like, hey, we've never had to do this. And God is still with me. So let's go on the adventure with God. But in the meantime, there's an asking and then there's a time. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to let the drought take you out. All of that in between time sometimes is so hard. Not sometimes, all the time is just hard. See, all of these these representations that we see in the scripture, the children of Israel, they went from bondage and they went into the desert and there was 40 years in the desert before they moved into the promised land. The desert can take you out. But you and I, we're gonna persevere in prayer. And we're gonna see the activity of God on our horizon, even though it's like something small, even though it's the size of a man's hand, my expectation is gonna remain the same, even though I'm standing in the middle of a drought. 
And see, what the drought can do, it could just confuse you and it can, it can debilitate you and it can cause you to be afraid and cause you to change how you think about everything. But Elijah, this person just like you and me, had this three and a half year span where he prayed and something happened and he prayed and something else happened. We should be like Elijah, where we're not giving up in the in-between time. And the last thing we're gonna look at today is we read there in uh, James chapter five, and it's gonna read this again. It says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And we've already established that you and I are just human, imperfect people. But James said the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and it's effective. I want to have effective praying, don't you? I don't waste my time in prayer. But it's this righteous thing. Where is it that this righteousness comes from? The, the prayer of a righteous person. We all know that we are human, but this righteousness that we walk in and stand in and, and should pray from, where does it come from? I'm gonna read you a couple verses here. Romans chapter four, verse 13. From the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be an heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. The righteousness of putting our trust in Jesus. So the righteousness that I stand in with God doesn't come from my humanity. Because you and I, in and of ourselves, we are not righteous. We are not perfectly holy. But the scripture still calls us righteous because of what Jesus did. Not us keeping a set of rules, not us keeping the law, but that we are righteous before God because of faith. I'm putting my trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And because my trust is there, I walk in the righteousness of God. Romans 10 verse four says this, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So the end of the keeping of the law, what's there? Well, Jesus, he was the one that kept the law for all of us and then was the righteous sacrifice. And then we get to walk in that righteousness because of faith, because of this relational dynamic that we have from God. See, we have to think about our prayer life. Am I going with a business mindset? Am I going for a business exchange or am I going for a family conversation? Because the business exchange goes to somebody, well, I'm qualified for this and then you're qualified on this side. And then we have some sort of business exchange, but here's the deal, you and I aren't qualified. You, are not, you and I are not qualified to go to a holy God and ask for anything. But we are invited into the family. Jesus told us in the Lord's Prayer to start with our Father. That I am in this relationship with God. The reason that I'm righteous before God is that I'm in the family. I've been given this wonderful gift that I'm in the family and I can go to God like I go to my Father. That I have access to my Father, a good Father at any moment that I'm in this family relationship, this called righteousness. Philippians chapter three, verse nine says this, and being found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, 
but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Putting my trust in him, this righteousness then is given to you and I. And finally, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12 it says, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. So we don't have to rend open the heavens. We don't have to, God, if I talk louder, God, will you hear me? God, if I talk quieter, will you hear me? None of those things matter. What is that causes them causes him to hear us when we pray, that we are righteous, that we are walking in this relationship that God has given to us because of Christ. At the end of the law, at the end of me pretending that I've been able to keep all of the rules because I haven't. So I'm not coming on the basis of a business relationship. I'm not coming on the basis of my own qualifications. I come in the righteousness that God gives me and he hears me when I pray. And finally, we base our prayers on his words. Ephesians chapter six, verse 17 says this. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times. Everybody say all times. Now that doesn't mean you pray at at 24 seven that you can't talk to your family because you're praying. The point is that we always maintain this attitude of prayer. That at any given moment that I can be talking to God, that I would be inviting God into my situations, that I would be inviting God into my circumstances, that I would be going on this adventure of life, praying to my father God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance. We're not gonna quit in the drought. We're not gonna quit in the drought. We're gonna persevere. Now listen, I understand that our relationship with God as individual believers sometimes could be really hot and amazing and we go to the scripture and everything that we read in the scripture is this major revelation that you want all of your family members to hear and you post it online. And then there might be another season where you feel like, hey, this is three and a half years of drought. It's really hard right now. It's really difficult right now and I don't, I don't it, the heavens do feel like brass and I don't think God is hearing my prayers at all because nothing seems to be changing. But if we take on this attitude with prayer, we're praying and we're talking to God, but we're going to persevere. We're going to persevere. We're not gonna quit. We're not gonna give up. That God will take us through our drought seasons and on the horizon of our lives. We will see the hand of God. Rain, representative of the blessing of God, the ways of God. But let's not quit. Let's not give up. 
making supplication for all the saints, verse 19, and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. See, as we finish up here talking about prayer, that all of our prayer lives, the things that we've been talking to God about, we would be basing on the word of God, that we would be basing our lives on Jesus. You know, one of the, the famous songs that we sing is all other ground is sinking sand. I don't know if you've watched the news lately or listened to some contemporary thinking. There's a lot of sinking sand out there. See, God wants us to base our lives on Jesus the sure foundation, the cornerstone of our lives. Because in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the drought, if our foundation is Jesus, we can always have this prayer expectation. We can always know that we are on this journey with God. There's an adventure ahead of us that God's spirit is leading us step by step. And really that's what communion is all about, is to remind ourselves, oh yeah, I base my life on Jesus. There's all these other things. Jesus sat down with his disciples and he's, guys, this is what I want you to remember. I want you to remember me. Because he knew that they were gonna go out and they were gonna attempt to build the church and there was gonna be a lot of opposition. And he was like, hey, I just want you to remember that your life is built on me. So let's receive communion together this morning. The elements are there in the seat in front of you, unless you're on the front row and it's by the leg of your chair. If you are a follower of Jesus this morning, we invite you to receive communion with us. If you're maybe new to church, you don't have to feel pressured today to receive communion together. Quick reminder, or maybe you're new, there's a top cellophane piece that has a wafer. You can just open that up and hold it and we'll receive it together here in a second. Luke 22 verse 19 says this. And he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The scripture says in Isaiah 53, that by his stripes, we are healed. Stripes just means that his skin was broken. So his body was broken. So ours could be healed. And so we remind ourselves today about the healing power of God. Scripture also says that God binds up the brokenhearted. So if you're here this morning and you feel like you've been betrayed by somebody and your emotions are in shambles today, you know that God heals, God heals inside and out. And we're supposed to remind ourselves that we don't build our lives on the person that hurt us. We build our lives on Jesus. So let's just pray today. God, we thank you. 
for Jesus. We thank you that his body was broken for us. So we just thank you, Lord, for your healing power today. The top of our heads, the soles of our feet, that your power is greater than any sickness and disease that we could face. And Lord, and we just agree with anybody in the room today who's facing any sickness and disease, anybody at home facing sickness and disease. We receive your power today, Lord, together as a family. We open ourselves wide to your love and to your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's eat together. You can just open up that bottom portion. Verse 20. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Because of Jesus' shed blood, as we talked about today, we are righteous, not in and of ourselves. But Jesus' blood has washed us clean of all of our sin, all of our past. And we can stand righteous this morning in God's presence. We can experience God's presence today because of the blood of Jesus. Let's just pray. God, we thank you for forgiveness today. And the areas which we have come short in our lives, we thank you for your goodness. That you are washing away our sin, that you are washing away our past because of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we could stand righteous in your presence today forgiven, made new. We thank you, Lord, that we base our lives on this. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's drink together. The team is gonna lead us here in another song, so let's all stand up. Church, why don't you stand to your feet as we sing this?
if you are here this morning and you have never started your relationship with God, you know, we were just singing there a second ago about the veil being torn. In the temple, um, we would see in the scripture that the, the, the veil being torn was the, the presence of God was behind the veil. But at the sacrifice of Jesus, Jesus dying on the cross, the veil was torn. In other words, God's presence moved out for everybody. In other words, salvation became uh, available for each one. So if you are here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life or used to be in a relationship with God and something happens, maybe something happened in church or somebody something went on difficult that moved you away from God. You know that God is not mad at you this morning. God invites you close to himself again. So everybody needs that moment where they take that step to God, either for the first time or again. So I'm gonna pray a prayer this morning to help you to do that. Whether you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time or rededicating your life, the gospel, the good news is all about Jesus, that he came, lived a sinless life, died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. And like we talked about today, because of that, he provides us righteousness as a gift. And all we have to do is say yes to that gift this morning. So if that's you today, we're all gonna bow our heads and close our eyes and you pray this with us today. So church, let's pray this out loud together with somebody who might be praying it for the very first time. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life He died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So today I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's congratulate those that did that for the first time. Hey, if that is you this morning, we actually have some resources that we would love to put into your hand that will help you on your journey of faith. This is just a one-time moment, but Jesus wants us to follow him the rest of our lives. So if you head to the info desk in the lobby, they will put those materials into your hand. Same thing if you are watching us online, if you would email us at info at thecitychurch.ca, we will get those same materials into your hands if you said yes to Jesus today for the very first time or you rededicated your life to him. Church, just wanna remind you, this uh, Friday is Good Friday. We have our Easter egg hunt uh, for City Kids. Is it great five and under? Not all ages. Okay, if your kids are in city kids age, it's for them, not your 16-year-olds, all right? (laughs) We're doing the Easter egg hunt this Friday, but you need to register. And there's actually very few spots available. So you can register on our website. And then next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. So we're gonna gather next Sunday with the global church and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. So be thinking about and praying uh, who you could be bringing next Sunday. We'll be here at 9 and 11 celebrating that. We will see you next Sunday. You are dismissed. Have a great day.